And you know, change is something that happens. I, I have to tell you that uh, change is not easy for people. Sometimes it's not easy for me when we have things that change. But life is filled with change. There's change going on all the time, going on all around us. Good changes, sometimes bad changes, but good changes. I mean, life is filled with change, isn't it? Uh, everyday changes. The weather changes because of air currents. Every day the sun rises and sets uh, because the earth is changing and turning. And every day grass grows and water evaporates. And in your body, every day, your heart rate changes. Your weight changes. You get a little shorter every day. And also just as a snake sheds its skin, every 28 days, your outer layer of skin cells uh, sheds. It changes. Out with the old, in with the new. Now some change is not so good, such as the change that I've seen in our culture from moral to immoral, from faith to faithless. You know, a recent Fox poll, Fox News poll found that just only 39% of Americans say religious faith is very important to them. And just 38% of Americans say patriotism is very important. The less important faith becomes, the less there is to hold back the evil that is rising, the evil we saw in that video. Jesus told us about the last days when the world would become more and more evil. Now make no mistake, evil is rising at an alarming rate and evil will take over the whole world until an extraordinary event occurs to stop it. And that event is the kingdom return of Christ. The next time Jesus sets foot on this earth, everything will change. The earth today that is ruled by men will then be ruled by the king of kings. It will be out with the old and in with the new. That's a change that I'm looking forward to. And that's where we are in our study of pray so grow today. Kingdom rule, kingdom rule. Revelation 20, if you have your Bibles, stand with me if you're able, and let's honor God's Word. So I read verses 1 through 6 of Revelation chapter 20. I bring you this message on the kingdom rule of Christ. John said, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon that serpent of old who is the devil and Satan. Now, John has identified the dragon. Who is he? Satan, the old devil, the serpent, who's in the Garden of Eden, and bound him. He laid, an angel laid hold of him, put a chain on him, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast that dragon, Satan, into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. We'll look at that next week. Let's keep going. And John said, I saw 
thrones. And they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for how long? A thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your blessings upon us. We are a blessed people. The fact that we were able to get up and come to church this morning and worship, we're, we're blessed. The fact that we had this beautiful music with all this talent and, and all this ingenuity, this, uh, Lord, I'm so amazed by the family you've put together here. It's, it's, it, the people that are on stage, the people that, that are behind the scenes, the people that are working, God, thank you so much that you've given us a family here on earth that can work together for the, to honor you and, and to work till your kingdom comes. And Lord, when your kingdom comes, we're still going to be serving you together. I'm so glad. Father, we're excited about the day you come again. We're excited, Lord Jesus, about you putting your feet on this earth and taking over. I'm excited about the change that's going to take place when all evil is gone and righteousness and holiness will be filling the earth. Your presence will be everywhere. Lord, I thank you so much that I'm going to be part of that and it would be my prayer that every person who hears this message, that they would be part of your kingdom that's coming. Lord, I pray that the reach of this message would be bigger than ever and that you would reach into the heart of that one who is struggling to have the peace of God. And Lord, I pray that that, that that one who needs you would accept you today. That would be my greatest prayer. That even today as we have spent all this time and effort and resources into getting this message out. If one person, if you could just touch one person and change their life and give them salvation and eternal life, Lord, it would be worth a whole all of our lifetimes. It would be worth everything just to know that one person made it to heaven because the people of Calvary Baptist Church worked together to get the message of the gospel out. That would be our greatest desire today. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we looked in detail at the most glorious event the world will ever see, and that's the return of King Jesus to this earth. Now, I want you to look at those verses again. They've got them on the screen for us. How beautiful. Now, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called what? Stay with me. Faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many what? Crowns. Stay with me, please. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. His, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called what? 
the word of God, amen. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Folks, that's us. That's every believer. You're gonna, you remember that little song, I'm in the Lord's army? <laughs> You're gonna be in the Lord's army. You're coming back with Jesus. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself, he himself, King Jesus, will rule them with a rod of iron. It means that his word is law and there will be no deviation from it. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. That, that song about his voice, I was just thinking about it, man. I was, I was all tearing up because I was just thinking about the voice of King Jesus. You know, my wife and I were able to just take a little walk yesterday down to the beach and walk down on the end of the pier. And man, alive, that wind was blowing. I said, wow, look at that. Look at those swells in the ocean. The ocean looked rough. And I was just thinking about how he speaks to the waters and about, you know, I'm standing out there getting blown around a little bit, but King Jesus would open his mouth and King, the energy, the power that would come out of his mouth, all he'd have to say is, be quiet, be still. And the whole ocean would calm. Wow, that's power, folks. And he himself will rule them with a rod and iron of irony. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And stay with me. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. What is it? King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19 closes with the destruction of the Antichrist and his massive military buildup. The earth is finally rid of the most evil man who's ever lived. And then chapter 20 opens with the millennial kingdom. M the millennial king, millennial means 1,000. Uh, milli means 1,000. The millennium or millennial kingdom, the 1,000 year reign of Christ on the earth. <clears throat> now, why is it just 1,000 years? Let's talk about that next week. But let's just say 1,000, that's a long time. Revelation 20 is one of the great chapters of the Bible as we've seen, as, as it shows us a picture of the earth after the return of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus. The first time Jesus came to earth, he arrived as a tiny baby, the Son of God to live among men. And then to be rejected by men and suffer a cruel death on the cross. The first time Jesus came, he came as the Lamb of God to take away our sins. The next time he comes, he will come as judge and executioner of divine wrath and vengeance. Imagine the smoke rising from the earth, the fiery wrath of the Lamb of God in the valley of Megiddo has disintegrated all of man's weapons of warfare. The stench of the burning flesh and rotting corpses is everywhere. Blood is flowing. Vultures are feasting. And the world as we know it is over. All those who rejected Christ Jesus and chose to follow a false Christ, they're all dead. 
The only thing left is to clean, the only thing left to clean up is the author of all this evil and confusion, and that's Satan himself. That's where we are in chapter 20. John said, then I saw an angel. Now I want you to pay close attention to what he's saying here. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and he wrapped that chain around him and he bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. The imagery is real dynamic here. Imagine someone being bound with a big chain. I mean, a big chain with big lengths and bound, wrapped, not just handcuffed, wrapped around and around and around with a big chain and thrown into a pit, not just handed down on a rope, thrown into a pit. That's what we see here. That's what we see. And he threw him in the bottomless pit and shut him up, like put a lid on it. And shut him up, it's a big lid, and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. And then after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, this is an interesting passage to me because it shows us the power of the Almighty God compared to the power of Satan. Make no mistake about it, the devil... Satan is very, very powerful. He was created as one of the most beautiful and powerful of all angels. But he's not all powerful. And in chapter 20, when Jesus removes Satan from the earth, he will, Jesus will not have to come down and put his hands on Satan, that old serpent. He will just send a, a more powerful angel down from heaven to deal with Satan. Satan has nothing, listen, Satan has nothing. He has no power compared to the power of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are all much more powerful than Satan and all who follow him. I know, listen, he is the master intimidator. Satan wants to discourage you. He wants to, he wants to frighten you. He wants to intimidate you. That's what he is. He wants to deceive you. And he, he captures the, the attention of the world. And it, we look around and it looks like the, Satan is in, has such great power. That's what it looks like. But I want to tell you that one angel will be able to deal with him. You understand? One angel. Because Satan has no power compared to the power of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're, they're all much more powerful than Satan and all who follow him. That's why John assured us in the word that greater is he who is in you. That's the Lord Jesus. Than he who is in the world. That's Satan. I, I don't really like this analogy, but I've heard it said, the weakest Christian filled with the Holy Spirit is greater than the, the strongest demon or the devil himself. When Jesus... When King Jesus returns, he is going to send a mighty angel to rid the world of Satan as Jesus himself sets up his kingdom 
in Jerusalem, sits on a throne to rule and reign over the whole earth. And this, and this is an important place to begin with the removal of Satan from the earth. Because all that we saw, listen, all that we saw through our study of the revelation, all that we saw through our study of the great tribulation, with all the terrible things happening on earth, God's wrath poured out. You know why God's wrath was poured out? Because Satan had gained more control than he ever had in the history of the world. And that's what it took to break it. It took the, all the wrath, it took the wrath of God upon this planet. Satan is responsible for all of that. And so he had to go out with the old and in with the new. He had to go before King Jesus took over. And so when Jesus comes, he gets rid of Satan because there can be no other king than Jesus, not in the natural or the supernatural realm. Life in the kingdom will be free from Satan's influence. So let's look today, as I've studied the scriptures, at life in the kingdom. What will, what will it be like to live in this millennial kingdom of Christ on earth? And again, if you're a child of God, if you're a believer, you're going to be here. So let's see what life will be like for us. First of all, let's read the first one. Read it with me. The kingdom rule of Christ brings the removal of temptation for all. Since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, Satan has been the author of man's temptations and troubles. His very name, Satan, is, is actually a, a, a description of him. That's what it is. Uh, a description forged into his character. Satan is the Hebrew ter term ha, means the, the, ha, satan, ha, satan, ha, satan, the adversary, the adversary. That's what Satan is. He is the adversary. Satan is man's greatest adversary. He is man's greatest enemy. Satan is not a flesh and blood enemy that can be battled or defeated with the weapons of this earth. Satan is a supernatural enemy. And he has an army of demons far greater in number and power than any human being or human army. So it's not surprising that as we see the end drawing near around us, that we see Satan's corruption over so many people on this planet, especially those who are in positions of authority. That's what I see happening. Just ask yourself this question. Now just think about it, because some of you have lived as long as I have and some of you longer. But I want you just, just ask yourself this question. Just think now with me. Use your minds and think. Of the major institutions and industries in America, of the major institutions, such as the political and the educational and the media and the entertainment, these major institutions, who do you see having more control, God or the devil, over these things? Who do you see influencing them more, God or Satan? Oh, I know God's all-powerful. Yes, he is, but who is influencing these 
more. Of course, it's Satan. We know the answer. It's very plain to see. Satan has been gaining more and more control over the minds of people through these institutions for the last, at least the last half a century, maybe longer. And today, he has strategically placed people in power to corrupt generations to come. And just look at what he's doing to our children. He's brain, Satan is brainwashing them. He is confusing them. He is indoctrinating them. He is perverting them. There is a godless mindset that Satan is preaching in America and around the world. And people are falling for it. They are. And that's why I've preached so much about the church speaking out and planting and sowing the seeds of the kingdom. Somebody has got to say something for the Lord Jesus when the world seems to be following the devil. And the church needs to do it before Jesus comes. It does not have to be this way. Satan is powerful, but Satan is not all-powerful. Satan is powerful, but he is not irresistible. Listen to what Paul said. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Let me just break that down. You will never be tempted in a way that's different than anybody else has been tempted. Temptation is universal. Everybody's tempted. And everybody's tempted in the same way. Okay? In the same ways. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Just think for a moment about temptation. When you are tempted to sin, there is always, according to God's word, there is always a moment when you can say no to sin. No to that temptation. There's always a moment when you can turn away from that temptation. There's always a moment when, that, when you may do that. Folks, it's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to yield to that temptation. So why is there such evil in the world? When all man has to do is say, no, devil. <laughs> That's all he has to do. When temptation comes, all you have to do is say, no. All you have to do is walk away. Why is there so much control by Satan over this world when all we have to do is say, no? I'll tell you why. Because people have continued so long doing the wrong thing and embracing evil that their consciences have been seared, have been overcome by their own lust for self and pleasure and power. And furthermore, the truth of God's word, which is the greatest weapon mankind has against Satan and his temptation, this truth is not being proclaimed and taught. Our children are learning everything except this. This is being banned from society almost, not... Maybe not in a literal sense, but certainly in a practical sense, just it doesn't matter anymore, does it? And this truth is not being put, placed into the minds, 
placed before young people and taught that they may learn the truth of this, but they're learning everything else. And people are believing, uh, they'd rather believe a lie than the truth, especially when it comes to the truth about God, about Jesus, about his kingdom. For most people, the only time they want to think about God or Jesus or heaven is at the funeral of somebody they love. That's for most people today. And that's why it's so important for us to sow kingdom seeds especially in these last days before the return of our Lord. John's words are truer today than ever before, as he said in 1 John chapter 5. We know, John said, that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's Satan. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us an understanding that gave us the truth and an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. John said, believers, those who truly have received Jesus as Savior, those who truly love Jesus and are indwelled by his Holy Spirit, they may sin, but they are ashamed of it. They will not sin without remorse or shame. It just doesn't happen. Their consciences are not uh, seared and removed. They, they are not enchained, uh, chained and, uh, and made slaves by sin, but they are sorry for that sin. And the devil cannot get them and hold them and chain them because they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. But those who have rejected Jesus are under the sway of the devil. And they can sin and sin without any guilt and without any shame. And folks, isn't it amazing that there just seems to be no shame anymore? I used to hear, boy, when I remember, I remember when I was a kid. I remember, I don't know how many times I heard people older than I was, my grandmother, somebody saying, you ought to be ashamed. You ever heard that? You ought to be ashamed. We, that was a little phrase people used to say. You ought to be ashamed. I got to tell you, hey world, listen. You ought to be ashamed. You ought to be ashamed of some of the stuff that's going on here today. Amen? And people have lost that shame. And I got to say, there's a lot of parents and grandparents that aren't teaching their children the truth of God's word because this is where we feel the shame and remorse for sin. When we realize, when we know the truth and we realize that we're disappointing our Father in heaven, that's when we feel ashamed, you see. So, this is gonna keep going. It's the most perverse world I've ever seen today. And folks, people today are taking pleasure in their immorality and their faithless acts, and it's going to keep on going. Just as Satan has blinded the minds of most people in the world today, it's only going to get worse until the whole world follows the Antichrist in rebellion against the true Christ. But then Jesus is going to return. Now, he's going to return, and he will destroy all the wicked and all their wickedness. It's only then that the righteousness and holiness of our Savior can rule over the whole earth. Out with the old regimes of men and in with the righteous kingdom of Christ, and we're going to be part of it. 
When Jesus returns from heaven, we return with him. But before kingdom life can commence, every bit of temptation must be removed and not allowed to invade this holy kingdom. That's why Satan has to go. He has to be banished from this earth and from the lives of men so that he cannot provide any temptation at all. Make no mistake, I just want to, you know, give you a, a, a picture here when King Jesus is ruling on his throne over the earth. Do you think there's going to be bars and nightclubs and, and clubs, I mean, perverse places and, and, and statues to perverse things? Do you think there's going to be smut on the earth when Jesus is ruling? He's, when he comes... It's going to all be wiped out, every bit of it. You're not going to have pornography and all this stuff. Jesus is going to wipe it all out. Talk about destruction. He's going to destroy the wicked and their wickedness and their wicked inventions. It's gone. And so, to make sure it doesn't come back, he sends a powerful angel with a great chain, and he wraps it around that old devil why a chain? Because I'll tell you why. Because Satan has chained or enslaved humanity for thousands of years, and now he's going to feel what it's like to be wrapped in a chain. This devil, this evil adversary of man, the one who's been responsible for all the war and turmoil, the sickness, the suffering, and terrible evil that's plagued mankind since the beginning, that powerful dragon who can turn a world against Jesus, will be caught like a wild animal trying to flee for his life. Satan is bound by this mighty angel of God who grabs a hold of him, wraps him in a chain and throws him into a pit from which he cannot escape, a bottomless pit. Now, what is that bottomless pit? Let's look at it for a minute. I think we saw it in Revelation 9. Then the fifth angel sounded the trumpet and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. You know, like this angel with the key to the pit and he opened the bottomless pit and the smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. That's what's in the pit, fire. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now we're going to see what these demons look like that were in the pit. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. If you had the seal of God, those demons couldn't kill you. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had wings and they flew and a tail like a scorpion. And what an awful looking creature that was. And the bottomless pit was filled with them. This bottomless pit is perhaps the prison of fallen angels. Angels so powerful that God would not permit them to enter the world of men. Those who fell, powerful angels who fell with Satan. Lucifer when he fell out of heaven or was cast out of heaven. These are more powerful and deadly than even the demons we see in the Bible and the demons that are possessing men in the world today. Jude, the, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, gave us a glimpse of these angels or, or the bottomless pit. He said, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. The great tribulation is perhaps that great day of judgment when those terrible demons will be unleashed. But their release will be temporary for soon. The despicable leader of these fallen creatures will join them in the pit. 
when Satan, with Satan finally bound and his temptation removed from the world, when all the demons are locked away and all the evil people of the world are de- destroyed, then the kingdom rule of Christ commences. And let's look at that life. Secondly, the kingdom rule of Christ provides eternal life for all. Now, notice what Zechariah said about this. Zechariah 14. And in that day, his feet, Jesus' feet, will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. A mountain moves, divides. Split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. It will come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It'll be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night. But in the evening time, it shall happen that it will be light. What's lighting it up? King Jesus. And in that day, it will be, you know, what is Jesus? What did he say? I am the light of the world. And so the light of the world will come and light it up. And in that day, it will be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, from the throne of Jesus, half of them toward the Eastern Sea and half of them toward the Western Sea in both summer and winter it shall occur. And the Lord, will you read that with me? And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name is one. Hallelujah. Today, the Lord Jesus offers salvation, eternal life to all who will repent of their sins and receive him. Today, most of the people of the world are still lost. Our missionaries are doing everything they can to try and reach people who are lost, people who have never heard the gospel. But listen to this, even closer at home. Of the 239,000 people in New Hanover County, it is estimated that 71% are not in any evangelical church, which means that only 29% of the people in our whole county are part of a church that actually believes salvation is through Jesus Christ. That's alarming. But even more so is that it is estimated that in the world today, only 17% of the world's 8 billion people have ever truly been born again. It's a lot of lost people. Although our Lord suffered, bled, and died to pay for the sins of the whole world, only a fraction have truly made a decision to believe and receive what Jesus did for them. So eternal life today is certainly not accepted universally, but when Jesus returns, it will be. That's why the Mount of Olives You know, that's the place where Jesus went with his disciples and gave them the Great Commission. And when he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. When Jesus comes back and his feet hit the Mount of Olives, it is going to, right, just before he gets there, when his feet touches, it's going to split open. Remember, he's descending from heaven. And as he descends, the mountain opens up to form a huge valley that leads to Jerusalem, forming a highway to Jerusalem, to the throne of the king, where all will have eternal life. You see, eternal life, the life of our King Jesus. At the beginning of creation, God placed a tree of life in the Garden of Eden to give eternal life to all who would take from it. 
In the kingdom of Christ, our Lord is the tree of life, eternal life. And it is his eternal life flowing from his throne in Jerusalem, flowing like a river of living water. Jesus said, if you ask me, I'll give you living water and he will give it to the whole world. Zechariah said, the Lord then will be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name is one. Today there's hundreds of religions, but in that day there's only gonna be one. One faith, one Lord, one king over all the earth. His reign will be universal as his eternal life will flow in every person, in every man, woman, boy, or girl who lives in that kingdom. You won't be in the kingdom if you don't have his eternal life in you. Isaiah the prophet said in chapter 35, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap, leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. A highway shall be there and a road and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, even if he were a fool, he would not go astray. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Those who live in the kingdom rule of Christ are filled with the life of Jesus Christ, his eternal and abundant life. That means a life where wholeness is restored, a life free from suffering and sorrow and sin and death, a place where we can approach Jesus on his throne and worship him as King of King and Lord of Lords. In that day, there's not gonna be any blind people. New eyes are gonna be restored. There's not gonna be any missing limbs because new limbs are gonna be grown. In that day, there's gonna be restoration, wholeness, because we're all gonna be like Jesus. Amen, hallelujah. That's happening, folks. There's gonna be a place where we can approach Jesus on his throne and worship him as king over all the earth. Zechariah said, it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and keep the feast of tabernacles. Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Israel be, will be restored to blessing. No division will be there. You're not gonna have, you're gonna have one family of God in the kingdom truly devoted to him. We will be in love with Jesus. We'll be excited about worshiping Jesus. We will all keep the Feast of Tabernacles, the celebration of how God delivered his people from bondage and how he provided for them while they were journeying through the wilderness. Friends, you and I are on a journey through a very difficult wilderness, a wilderness filled with evil and threats to our faith. Today, there are many di dictators who rule over men and rob them of their religious liberty and try to destroy their faith. Well, let me assure you that in the kingdom, all these will be absent. They will have no power. There'll be no dictators there. There'll be no threats to our faith. Every person who lives in the kingdom rule of Christ will be filled with his spirit of worship and they will celebrate how Jesus brought them through. Yes, dear friends, we will remember from where we've come and we will exalt Jesus out of gratitude and love. I can't wait for Jesus to return. I'm so excited about living in the kingdom where Jesus is sitting on the throne. Life in the kingdom of Christ means extreme joy in his presence. Now, I understand Jesus is going to be seated on the throne in Jerusalem. And there's still going to be millions of, even billions of people on the earth at that time. But we're all going to be his we're not gonna be in the minority. We're gonna be the people of his kingdom as in heaven today. So it will be when Jesus returns with his kingdom. And that day, the whole earth is gonna be filled to the praise with praise to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
And you see the kingdom, thirdly, the kingdom rule of Christ brings the global establishment of peace for all. Though there will still be people living in different parts of the world, there will still be cities, we'll be part of one kingdom. There's nothing going to be to divide us. Jesus is bringing his kingdom to earth, a kingdom made up of resurrected saints. We're not going to all live in Jerusalem. We're going to live over the whole earth. That's what God intended for in the beginning, that his people devoted to him would fill the earth. We'll have one king, one king Jesus in Jerusalem. His word will be supreme and final. The world will be living by his word. There's not going to be any devil to tempt us, no pride to separate us, no barriers of any kind. We're not even going to have language barriers. Folks, when you die and go to heaven today, you don't, you don't worry about being able to communicate with others. We're going to have possibly a new language in the kingdom. So nothing's going to separate us and there's going to be a universal peace. Isaiah 2 now it came to pass in the latter days that the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations will flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn more anymore. Who wants to fight in a world of love? Love's going to keep us from fighting the love of Jesus. War comes when there's an absence of love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you that you love one another. By this shall all men know you're my disciples. If you love one another, the kingdom of Christ is going to be characterized by the love of Christ. There's not going to be any war in the kingdom. There's not going to be any crime in the kingdom. No hatred, no bigotry, no profanity, no hostility. I know it's hard to understand, but in the kingdom, we're all going to get along. In the kingdom... We all serve Jesus, and that's all that's going to matter to us. Pleasing Jesus will mean more to us than anything else. We're not going to try to get ahead of others. We're not going to try to exalt ourselves above others. We're not going to try to gain anything for ourselves. We're going to live completely for the honor of our Savior and our King, because it's His King, kingdom. And when He comes and brings us with Him, Life on earth is never going to be the same. He is the supreme ruler, and everything will be done for his glory. And who's going to be responsible to help keep this peace on the earth? Well, that's the last two verses that we're going to read in chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Look, and I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again till the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, blessed and holy, as he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and reign with him a thousand years. What are we going to do in the kingdom? What are you and I coming back with Jesus? What are we going to do? I don't know for sure, but I know what a priest does. A priest of God led people to worship God. I know that during the millennial reign of Christ, there are going to be people who get married and people who have children. Remember, when Jesus comes, there are going to be people who have made it through the great tribulation. And there's going to be a lot of people here. And the, in a thousand years, a whole lot of a population is going to grow. And you and I, who are the saints in heaven, we're in glorified bodies. We're not going to get married again. We're in glorified bodies. We can fly. We can do all kinds of supernatural things. But we're going to help those who are living here 
to keep worshiping Jesus. They're going to need our guidance, and we're going to have new knowledge. Hey, can you imagine talking to a little group of children about what it was like when you were in heaven? Think about it. And then finally finally today, the kingdom rule of Christ will be a restoration of God's original order to all. Now, I want to tell you that we're going to be busy in this kingdom. You and I, we're going to be, we're not sitting, listen, we're not going to sit back and sip tea or, or holy water all day. We've got work to do. This earth is in shambles. It has been destroyed almost. And there's a whole lot of rebuilding to do. And all these saints who know how to do things, we're going to be coming back with you. We're going to be rebuilding this earth. When God created the earth and life upon it, he looked at it and he said to every part of it, it is good. But that changed when mankind rebelled against the loving creator. The sinful fall of man disrupted the perfect natural order. When, when God had to speak sad words because of sin, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule, rule over you. To Adam he said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you will not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Pain and suffering because of sin, as a result of sin. Pain and suffering became mankind's constant companions. The perfect nature which God created for man's good was blighted. Weeds, poisonous plants, pests. Even a carnivorous appetite among animals came from that imbalance. And of course, death came. Death in the animal kingdom. Death for humans. All a result of man's rejection of God's rule. But when Jesus returns with his kingdom, it's going to be restored. Isaiah said, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being one hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. And the elect shall live long, shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Friends, what a glorious future we have. Life in the kingdom means no more sorrow, no tears of sadness, no, de- no degeneration with age. People will live forever in perfect health. Gardens will grow to abundance, producing everything the world needs. Hunger's real today, but not then. When King Jesus in charge of the world is going to sprout with his abundance, there will be no more disasters in nature which wipe out cities and destroy homes. The environment will be perfect. The climate will be perfect. Everything will grow perfectly. People will live together perfectly. Even animals will live together with men without fear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. When God created animals, he didn't create, intend for them to kill and eat one another. Meat only came after the flood when the vegetation was gone. And God said, Noah, you can eat some of those animals that were on the ark with you. But God did not intend for his perfect creation to be riddled with death, not even death for food. In the kingdom, all is restored. The earth is restored, produces everything that men and animals need. And I love meat. I'll say that. I love it. But I'll give it up in the kingdom. 
because all I'm going to need is what God produces out of the ground to the glory of my Savior. And that's the real purpose in the kingdom, folks. The same purpose we have now to bring glory to Jesus. Paul said, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, for his glory. And while in our world today, many people reject him and refuse him, the day's coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And then Isaiah said, finally, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bow, the cow shall Show, the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play on the cobra's hole. The weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And in that day, there's gonna be a root of Jesse. That's Jesus who shall stand as a banner of the people for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. How's that sound to you folks? Folks, I know what it's like. I have in this life faced so many struggles, so much sorrow. I've grieved over and over as I've said goodbye to people I've loved. I've lived days of pain and days of heartache. I've watched my world become so evil. And I've worried about the future of my children and my grandchildren in this world. But one day, hallelujah, I will rest from all these sorrows and uncertainties. For I know Jesus is coming again. My Savior who lives in my heart, who has prepared a place for me in heaven, is coming again. And I'm coming with him to reclaim what Satan stole. How does that sound to you? Are you like me, feeling weary? like a weary traveler just trying to get through. Are you sick of what's going on around you like I am? The day of rest is coming. The day of wrath for the faithless of this world is the day of rest for the faithful who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. I serve him now and exalt him now because I know what's ahead. And it's going to be glorious. Would you bow with me? Folks, I know what's ahead for my future. What about you? Do you know what's ahead for yours? I'm a servant of the king more than 50 years ago. As a little boy, I bowed on my knees before my Lord. I, invited, I, I told him I was sorry for my sins. I remember it. I remember crying as I told Jesus I was sorry for my sins and that I loved him and I believed in him and I wanted him to come in my life. And he came in, a little boy like me, and he has never failed me, folks. He's answered my prayers. I don't have to worry about him answering my prayers. I know he answers prayers. He's answered thousands of them for me. What about you? Does Jesus live in your heart and life? Are you headed for his kingdom? Are you serving Jesus today? How much of your life is he ruling over today? One day you're going to be in a kingdom where he rules over everything. Why don't you start today by giving him all of you? Because that's what he wants, all of you. You cannot get, you cannot receive the crown in his kingdom, folks, until you take up his cross now and follow Jesus. Would you follow him? Would you receive him as your Savior? Pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, 
I'm sorry for my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I believe you love me and you want to save me. So Jesus, I ask you, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Live in me and rule over me. I give you every part of me today. And I promise I will follow you. I want to be in your kingdom. I want to be in a place free from sin and sorrow and death. I don't want to ever have to say goodbye to another loved one. I want to see you and them in your kingdom. So Jesus, rule in me right now. If you pray that prayer and you receive Jesus as your Savior, He comes in and now you start living for Jesus no matter how bad it gets around you. If you have to live for Him all alone in your world, just live for Him because there's a good day coming for you. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, for the message of your kingdom. God, we look forward to you. Your kingdom coming and your will being done on this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Steve. Stand with us as we sing together. Only trust him. I can pray for you in any way. I'll be here at the front while we're singing. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy.